Last week in episode number 28, we discussed why your story matters. Whether you have this epic Mission Impossible story or it plays out more like a gentle episode of Little House on the Prairie, it's still the exact story that God wants to use in the lives of the people around you. And today, I want to take that topic just a little further and dig into the stories that other people are telling us. You'll learn a few things about me and this podcast you probably never imagined, and we'll dive into the stories we often callously invent about others or the ones they try to tell us, but we aren't really hearing them at all. So listen in. Welcome to episode number 29 of the Unperfect Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Sneed, and together we're learning to live abundantly in the tension of life here in the now and the not yet, John talks about in 1 John 3, verse 2. So if you're feeling like your life is less than perfect, well, it is. And you're not alone. Hope and probably some humor are coming up. I was Zooming recently with a small group of writers who I get together with about once a month, and we were talking about equipment that we use for podcasting or recording or whatever we're doing. And I was explaining to them that I really need to purchase a new boom arm for my podcasting mic because the one that I have just sits at my desk on top, it takes up space, and it doesn't really move with me. And y'all can probably imagine I'm a mover when I talk. So anyway, one of these friends asked how I made it was making it work. And I pulled up a used gallon paint can from the floor and showed them how I positioned a pillowcase on top of it to absorb the sound and prop the mic right on top. And voila, we have professional sound. And they got a huge kick out of this, which propelled me to tell them some secrets that I'm about to tell you. Because maybe you have this story in your mind of what is always happening when you hear a podcast. Well, my first few podcast episodes were recorded in my husband's closet. Seriously, he happened to have a safe in there that I could set my laptop and mic on and the clothes would absorb the sound, making it a very unappealing studio by visual standards, but one that worked perfectly in the audio department. What's crazy is this is what other seasoned podcasters were doing and telling me to do too. So it wasn't just just crazy Shelly thing that I was doing, but I did soon graduate from my husband's closet to my own closet for the next stretch of episodes and interviews that I did. And that's where I initiated this paint can idea. I stood the paint can on top of a TV tray that I kept in my closet for these recordings. Well, now I've graduated to a desk in my bedroom, but it has to be up here in my bedroom because if I recorded at my desk in the main living area, you would hear my dog enthusiastically letting me know every time the Amazon driver arrives, which may or may not be multiple times a week, or one of my four kids coming in the door and they come in at all different times of the day. So why on earth am I telling you this, and what does it have to do with the stories that others tell? Well, I remember early on my sister-in-law commenting that she imagined I was in this recording studio because everything sounded so professional. And, you know, people have no idea that at some point in time I was sitting on the floor of my husband's closet with low light and no outlets to be had. And I wasn't trying to keep that hidden. I was just doing whatever I could to produce a quality and meaningful show. And believe it or not, in the same way... I often make judgments about others without really knowing their backstory. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, maybe you do too. 
So there is a Nigerian-British poet and novelist, Ben Okri. I'm probably not pronouncing his last name right. But he once said this, The fact of storytelling hints at a fundamental human unease. It hints at human imperfection. Where there is perfection, there's no story to tell. And I would add that where there's an appearance of perfection, there's probably a story to tell, too. For people we don't know all that well, their stories usually not the ones we invent in our minds about them. Jumping to judgment means I'm assuming to know things about them that I just don't. And so today, I want to talk to you about some things I've been learning over the last few years. And it's what Brene Brown calls stewarding others' stories. So the first way to be a healthy listener is this. I have to remember that everyone has a story, even if I don't know it or if they're not choosing to tell it. And I really have to adopt this innocent until proven guilty mindset. Um, Some of the most annoying people we know were most likely victims before they became vexing, right? They've undergone trauma that we just can't see. And we've often heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. But how often do we really apply this to people in our circles who say or do hurtful things? And I'll be honest, I'm actually more quick to judge people who are successful, pretty, or really spiritual, or who appear to be those things to me. And I touched a little on this in episodes number two and three, where we discussed the comparison trap. But I'm ultimately comparing myself to them when I do this. Maybe I'm not feeling so successful or pretty or spiritual. So because of this jealousy, I've got to make up this narrative where maybe they've had life handed to them on a platter in stark contrast to how hard mine maybe has been. The only thing this does is drive a bigger wedge between us. And I sure hope people don't invent a story about me because of how I acted on a random Thursday morning at 1049 when I was really frustrated about something, or even a story where I have absolutely everything all together, because neither story would be accurate. I'm not a hateful person most of the time, and I'm also not perfect. So the most loving thing I can do when I'm tempted to judge someone else is remember that everyone has a story, and I probably don't know the half of it. And that leads me to number two, take time to learn another person's story. We actually give dignity to other people when we invest in them by offering space for them to tell us their stories. And this is very hard to do in this culture that we are in. We are in such a hurry culture and such a me-obsessed culture. Recently, I was at a Starbucks counter in an Ingalls supermarket, and I asked the perfunctory question that we all ask without thinking, like, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, how are you today? And this particular time, the barista gave me a sigh, and she answered, I'm okay, in a tone that made it quite obvious she was not okay. So right then and there, I had this crisis I had to come to terms with because she had just given me the perfect opportunity to find out what was wrong with her, right? But I was in a hurry. I was thinking about all the stuff I had to do. And frankly, I didn't want to add her problems to my already long list of problems. I know that doesn't sound very Christian. I'm just being honest. And I'm guessing you've been there too. But because I was taking an empathic listening course at the time, I couldn't just let it go. So she sighed and she said, I'm okay. And I replied, that didn't sound very convincing. And for the next five minutes, while she made my venti hot latte with oat milk, She told me all about what was going on in her life. It had to do with parenting and being on the same page as her spouse. And I didn't have the time or the energy to fix it. I didn't hand her my number or the number of my therapist. 
I just let her talk. And I learned a very valuable lesson that day. Sometimes just offering the space for someone to tell their story is gift enough. I gave dignity to her sigh, and I gave her safe place to verbally process for a moment. I'd love to say I do this everywhere with everyone, but I don't. I'm still usually in a hurry. And I honestly think always being in a hurry often disqualifies me from offering the presence of Jesus to others. So I got to work on that too. But I pray I'm getting a little better at taking time to hear another story because I've been reading the Gospels pretty heavily over the last month or so, y'all, and that is what Jesus did all day long. So number three is we can't be selfish listeners. We don't actually listen to other people's stories sometimes because we are so busy moving the conversation needle back to telling our own. And we discussed this with Dr. Jackie Perry at episode number six on empathic listening, if you want to go back and listen to that. But how often during a conversation do I find myself contemplating my response or connecting their story to my own life experience instead of just actively listening to this other person? And Brene Brown says, narrative takeover is a huge problem in our world. It impacts one-on-one conversations and cultural conversations. Rather than being good stewards of a story, we hijack the story and center ourselves. Yeah, that's a big ouch for me. And I admit, as soon as someone starts sharing with me something maybe they're experiencing or they're going through, it's like this automatic Rolodex of my life's experience just starts going in circles. It's it's busy flipping to that circumstance, most like the one they're talking about. And usually I don't even realize I've tuned them out and I'm just thinking of the right response to give direction or advice or counsel or just to say, yeah, I went through that too. And here's what my story is. And Brene continues by saying the issues that most of us struggle with are being the knower, advice giving, and problem solving. And problem solving is tough because some people do want help. The best story stewardship in these moments is just to say, I'm grateful that you're sharing this with me. What does support look like? I can listen and be with you. I can help problem solve or whatever else you need. You tell me. I love that. And the first three things that I've just shared with you are rather philosophical. So I want to get into some specifics, like how do we truly listen to the stories others tell us? And the next few strategies I'm going to share are things that I did learn in the empathic listening course that I took about a year and a half ago through the Soul Well Center here in Asheville. And if you're local, you can take this course also, because I'm not going to tell you everything I learned in that eight-week course, and I'll put the link to sign up to that in the show notes. But what I am going to share are just, it just kind of scratches the surface of um, some of the skills that I learned in that course. So number four is this, sit in the story with the other person. Rather than give advice or tell them you had a similar experience, just say, man, that sounds so hard. Or if it's a good thing, I'm so excited for you. Remember my Starbucks barista? I barely said a word. I just stood there listening, kind of going, hmm, oh, wow. Offering a face that showed concern and interest, ignoring my watch and my agenda just long enough for her to speak the words she needed to say. (laughs) 
And God is our perfect example of this. We see so many times in Scripture where David is pouring his heart out to God. And the first half of the psalm, he's like, God, where the heck are you? Are you just going to let me die? I'm dying over here. But as he continues pouring his heart out, his heart eventually turns its attention to the faithfulness of God. Have you ever noticed God never interrupts him during these prayers of lament. Like, it never stops and says, as I was saying all this to God, he said, whoa, 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 let me tell you what to do. I think in these moments, God just offers the presence of himself. And what a gift that is to David and others who wrote the Psalms as they're processing the deepest hurts and needs of their hearts. So let's be quietly present and sit in someone else's story with them, unhurried, that's my hardest one. No agenda, not trying to fix anything, just the gift of our presence. Number five, this strategy is just to retell their story back to them. Summarize what you heard them say. Chances are you didn't hear it right, or maybe they want to clarify some things. And as they do this, they're able to come to some of their own conclusions. I was sitting in this empathic listening class practicing with another listener Um, when I took the course. And I talked for about two minutes on how unorganized and scattered I was feeling. I just couldn't get my act together to get anything done or get organized. And this listener just took a moment to reflect what I'd said back to me. I honestly don't even remember what else took place in our conversation. All I know is when I got to my car after class, I sat there for a minute and I had this incredible moment of clarity where I knew one change that I could make and needed to make And I literally sent a text right there in the parking lot to a few of my students to change their lesson time so that my schedule worked better for me. It was incredibly freeing. And the gal who was listening to me, she didn't make suggestions. She didn't try to make me feel better. She didn't tell me about her disorganization failures. She just said, I hear you saying that your schedule's making you feel overwhelmed. It was a powerful lesson in the exercise of retelling someone their story. Okay, number six, name a feeling. So after listening to someone, don't try to fix it. Just maybe say, sounds like that made you feel really frustrated. Or I can see you're feeling so much grief just talking about this. You won't believe what that does for the listener. It enables them to process their own feelings. Maybe you named the wrong feeling. They can say, no, it's not that. It's more like an It's still helping them understand their feelings. Or they may say, wow, yeah, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Like they'd not taken the time to name it. I was talking with a friend one day who was contemplating moving. And she was telling me all the reasons they were thinking about it and what was going on in their lives. And I just said, it sounds like you're feeling restless. That's just what I sensed from her story. There was nothing magical, nothing prophetic. It was just an observation I had. And she texted me the next day and was like, whoa, you nailed it. I didn't realize that's what the feeling was behind everything. I am feeling restless. So again, I'd like to say I'm always that in tune when I'm listening to others, but I'm not because it's just not natural. I want to fix it or I want to help you feel better. But that's not always in others' best interest. And I want to touch on that for a second here as an aside. This is not even something I put in my notes, but I think we have this notion that to be an encourager, which is very scriptural, we're supposed to make people feel better in every conversation. So if they're sad, we're supposed to help them feel happy. If they're grieving, we're supposed to help them somehow get to a place of hope. 
The Holy Spirit can absolutely do that. He can absolutely use us to do that. But I'm learning through therapists and books and other things that I'm reading, and even Scripture makes it very clear when people are putting on their sackcloth and they are taking the time to grieve, that sometimes it is more helpful if we sit with someone and allow them to sit in some of the negative feelings. We can still be encouraging by just being there, but rushing out of tough feelings is really kind of just helping them avoid them and not deal with them. And it also steamrolls over what they're feeling. They may actually have a need to sit there for a minute and just acknowledge this is really, really hard. So, okay, number seven, ask questions. Again, we're so quick to offer advice, but what if God wants them to internalize wisdom? He wants to give them through the Holy Spirit. There's absolutely a time to give advice, but here's a crazy notion. Maybe we're only supposed to give it when they ask for it. Yes, that's another ouch moment. I said it, and I also suck at it. But there's a German proverb that says, Never give advice unless asked. The wise man won't need it, and the fool won't heed it. But I'm going to add to that. The stressed out person, the deeply emotional, hurt, angry, or confused person, they may not be able to hear it at all. But what they're able to do is respond to thoughtful questions like, Why do you think you responded that way? Or what were you really needing in that moment? Or why do you think that action hurt you so deeply? When we ask thoughtful questions, not yes or no questions, but thoughtful questions, we're giving them a chance to dig deeper into underlying emotions and values that they're going to be able to process in a richer way because they are coming to their own conclusions. They're not just listening to ours. About a year and a half ago, and I've shared this before, I was sitting in the office of a new-to-me therapist telling her my whole story, and it's got crazy written all over it. Um, I won't list everything, but from infertility and struggles in marriage and IVF and trauma with kids, I mean, I just listed this whole thing, and I kind of listed it with a straight face. Um, I'm a glass-half-full kind of person, and that's how I was feeling about it as I was uh, sharing it with her. And she let me go for about 45 minutes rambling, and then she just thoughtfully and quietly asked, so when did you grieve all the ways that motherhood had turned out differently than you expected? And y'all, tears came out of nowhere because I never had. And I never realized until that moment that I'd been putting quick Band-Aids on all my junk and rushing into the next adventure as quick as I could. I didn't want to sit in the hard stuff. Now, I get she's a therapist. Most of us wouldn't have even thought to ask that. But I'm just saying there's nothing more powerful than a thought-provoking question. I had a friend who's done this for me multiple times. A few years ago, when I was struggling with decisions I was making for a child with some um, extreme behavioral trauma, and my friend just flat out asked, when do you think you'll stop cleaning up all their messes? Or at what point are you going to hold them responsible and let nature take its natural course? That was a life-changing aha moment for me. That same friend asked me another time when I was so stressed out with all I was committed to one summer. So what are the top three things if you don't accomplish by the end of the summer, you're going to feel like you failed? Again, this aha moment of me finding my own clarity because she was willing to ask me a thoughtful question. And think about the questions that God asks in Scripture. In the garden, Adam, where are you? To Hagar, who's alone in the desert, where have you come from? Where are you going? 
to the woman about to be stoned, where are your accusers? To the men on the walk to Emmaus, what are you guys talking about? He knew the answers to all these questions, but he also knew the power of a question. And he loved each of these people enough to ask and to listen as they answered. So number eight is remember that their story is not your story, no matter how similar they seem. I touched on this earlier. We might be able to empathize because of a similar situation, but we don't have to voice those things to be able to draw on them for empathy and compassion. Now, I can't help it if the story I'm hearing from another person awakens a story in me, right? I'm going to have some feelings that come up, some memories that are pressing toward the front of my mind and experiences that are making me connect to them or making me uncomfortable. But I want my goal to be to use those feelings and memories and awareness to propel me to be more present with the person that's speaking, not to pull into my own parking space and start unloading my own trunk. We can use those emotions that are being stirred up from our own stories to show eyes and physical postures of understanding and empathy and maybe even propel us to name a feeling we perceive in them or as a clarifying question, just as we talked about earlier. But too often, I think we get into this one-up kind of mentality with our woes, or even if it's in a compassionate attempt to identify, we actually can break that connection because We've inserted our story into their narrative. And instead of realizing the uniqueness of their story, I'm just trying to impose my story over theirs, like it's this relational cut-and-paste function. And friends, that function just doesn't exist. No two stories are alike. Each one has enough individuality and distinctiveness that it really deserves to be treated in that moment as if it were the only story I've ever heard. And I know I'm quoting Brene Brown a lot, but she's done a ton of research on this. And I love what she says when she said, like empathy, story stewardship is not walking in someone else's shoes. It's being curious and building narrative trust as they tell you about the experience of being in their own shoes. I hope you've heard some things that you can take to heart and begin to practice as you listen to the people's stories around you. We need empathic listeners now more than ever. And for those of us who know Jesus, it is such a powerful and beautiful way to represent what Scripture points to as the withness of our God, our Emmanuel, God with us. So let's remember that everyone has a story and let's take time to learn them. Let's remove selfishness from our listening and offer the gift of just being present. And as we're listening, let's refrain from rushing headlong into giving advice and instead retell or summarize what they've said, name feelings we observe, and ask thoughtful questions. And let's do our best to let their story remain in the forefront while we only call on ours to offer more of ourselves rather than making the conversation be about us. I love what writing coach Lisa Cron wrote in Wired for Story. She said, story, as it turns out, was crucial to our evolution, more so than opposable thumbs. Opposable thumbs let us hang on. Story told us what to hang on to. And I love that as we filter our stories and other stories through the lens of God's grace and His constant work of helping us write and rewrite our stories, we're no longer just hanging on. 
we have His story of faithful love to hang on to. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, would you consider posting the link on your social media? You've got street cred with people that I've never even met, and I would love your help in getting these words of encouragement to them. As always, I'm praying you have a blessed week and are able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time.